is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. I am here with the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? Doing good, buddy. Good to be with you, and uh, I am glad that you are corona-free. This is the... Um, Sixth. Is it? Sixth week. I just preached my sixth sermon. Virtual. Yeah, so that is how long it's been? It's been since March March 15th, I think, was the first Sunday we did. Wow. Yeah, it's been uh yeah. That's a that's 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 truly uh breathtaking, I would say. Yeah, no I, no pun intended. I did but. four sermons on the fear and worry and then I did resurrection five and then today Wow, that's yeah, a, six it, it feels like it's been longer, I guess. Um, I think six is too long. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I'm ready. I'm ready to be uh, free. Yeah, I, I feel set free. I feel like the first Sunday that we are uh, able to 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 come back, it's gonna be glorious. Yeah, I think people are going to be late because they don't they're not going to register. They need to get up earlier <laughs> to get ready to come to church. They come in their pajamas. Yeah, come in their pajamas. It's, it's going to be. <laughs> A little weird. I'd, I'd love to have like a fellowship Sunday that Sunday because we're not going to leave. Yeah. And then right after that, we should just do all day church, all day church. And right like we have a fellowship uh, right after church up until around three or four o'clock. And then we should have prayer service we should. just that day. Just, we just have do. it. Just do sermon Q and A prayer service that, all day long. That yeah. would be that would be church all day long. And uh, we should probably do that yearly. I think to, we ought to do that every Sunday. That would be great. You know. That'd be- more you, biblical yeah well yeah and you have more people that hang out at, late anyway oh man so Our people know. never want to leave yeah the only reason why we have to leave is because we get hungry but if that's we right. have the food here that's right we don't have to worry about anything <laughs> just have the food here and everybody at that point would have a grubhub account <laughs> or uh get it delivered. Uh, yeah that's just right. get it delivered and there you go uber eats so yeah so um I have so this is the very last time that I'm gonna ask any question and bring up the uh, the topic of coronavirus. Oh, because you can ask. It's good. It's yeah. good. There's a lot of good things to talk about. There are. I'm and thankful. I, what I didn't want to do, like the last couple of podcasts that we have, we've had, I did not want to over uh, talk it, and you know, to to make it seem like it is, you know. It is a it is a very serious matter, but it's being talked about so much that I didn't want our podcast to be yet another thing to yeah. just talk it and, Reiterate and beat it. the dead horse. Yet. Yeah. So I want to do I do want to ask this, and this is really more from the perspective of uh, one of the things that you said in your last sermon. Um, you were talking about the things that we have learned mm. and well, that wasn't what you said. You said specifically, I think it was either during the prayer or after that is that you were grateful for the virus. Yep. And, yep. you know, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that because um, there are definitely some lessons that we should learn from this entire experience, this oh, entire, yeah. you know, uh, time. It's a very different time. I was in uh, Lowe's this morning uh, trying to pick up a few things because you know my wife has put me on an assignment in the house to redo the kitchen so i'm like kind of grabbing some stuff some paint samples and some stuff to do you know patch up the drywall before i paint it and i'm just sitting here looking at all of these people everybody has a mask on it's crazy the line is 
all the way down the aisle because there's only like two registers open. And, you know, it's like, man, this is just a weird time, you know? So, you know, from that, you know, you were saying that you were thankful for the virus and, and, and this time, can you kind of give me some understanding of what you were meaning by that? Yeah. So there's a number of things I'm, I'm surely not thankful or even joy filled or anything because of the pain and suffering and loss and death and all of that, that this sad, virus is rightfully evil it's natural evil it's a byproduct of the fall mm-hmm. and the natural evil that that uh, comes upon our world because of the fall genesis 3 that's why we have pestilence viruses sickness all of that it's from from sin it's a result of sin mm-hmm. and so in that sense i'm thankful that it reminds us of of that foundational truth that we often forget mm-hmm. but i'm not thankful for the results of the people's suffering and even within our own church and different things and even our upheaval and what it's brought about. I'm not thankful for that in the sense of them. That's sad. And I admit that. However, I am grateful because of the lessons and the way in which these uh, inconveniences and these problems, and they're all of the above, right? Mm -hmm. Even suffering, how it drives us to our knees, how it drives us to the end of ourselves how it teaches us, this is, I probably mentioned this this morning when I yeah. was praying, how it teaches us our, um, the insufficiency of ourselves and the small nature of man. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've just been grappling with the how, how small, I mean, it's a microbe in many ways, it's a virus you can't even see, and yet something so small, something so insignificant by mm-hmm. way of its size and or you can't even see it right. has totally taken the world and shut it down yeah right and i think that that being reminded because man has an innate problem he thinks he's significant man thinks he's the measure of all things that mm-hmm. was what the greeks taught us right and we've embraced that because it comes out of our heart we think we're the pinnacle of everything and in reality we're we're uh we're actually not nearly as smart as we think we are. We're surely not as uh, uh, we're surely not as good as we think we are. We are, and and something like this really opens our eyes. Like I have, I am thankful f- without question for our governor, for our president, for our vice president, for the whole task force, and for the doctors and the, you know whatever all the people that have been working. They've been doing a, I think a a great job. But at the end of the day, I really think most of them don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I really think that so many of them are just trying to figure this out as they go. It's, yeah. And 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 I don't blame them because clearly a lot of the decisions that have been made have not been <coughs> have not been um clearly like, you know, when they're saying there's gonna be, you know, a million deaths and then two hundred and fifty thousand deaths and now a hundred thousand deaths and then it just keeps going. I mean clearly there's a lot of over exaggeration and 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 things said that probably didn't need to be said and didn't need to be done. However, um, I think it's it's helpful because it shows even the experts who are far smarter than me, mm-hmm. they don't even really know what to do with this. Yeah. So it takes the cream of the crop, the smartest of the smart in our land, <clears throat> and actually humbles them. Mm-hmm. Now, sadly, I don't know how much it's humbled them. It took a long time. It eventually happened, and I've been watching intently. I kept telling my wife, when is somebody going to pray? When is somebody going to mention God? When is somebody going to humble themselves? Mm-hmm. And and it took forever, right? Now, Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, he's he, he's pretty open about that at times, as much as he can be in a 
political setting, and he would make he would make allusions to it. But eventually, President Trump one day said, "You know, we need to pray." Like it was just a simple statement like that, not what it should be, not as not as it should be said. But it was like a couple weeks into this mm-hmm. when they started realizing we really don't know what to do. Then you'd start to see it come out, and of course, it's come out more and more. And different governors have asked for days of prayer and stuff. And again, how much of that is 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 truly legitimate or what but it is interesting that god has a way of breaking man of his independence and of his personal self-sufficiency and bringing him to his knees and i think god he has i think it's rather common and normal to watch through history where god will just say yeah you think you're you think you're all that watch yeah bring a tornado in in Mm -hmm. a matter of seconds and decimate which we just saw that right where they could see the path of destruction from space they Mm. showed this shot from the satellite and it was so wide and so long what the tornado created in 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 a matter of no time but you could see the devastation from space and that's just one tornado that's crazy like the the strength of god and what he can do in a nanosecond Mm -hmm. just you know eviscerate man from the face of the planet in seconds and here's an unseen virus and look how quickly god can cripple man the greatest economy the most strong economy all of it doesn't matter it's gone like Mm -hmm. that right so Mm -hmm. god god is totally so man is small god is big that is a that is a foundational principle that we can never see clear enough and we must always be reminded of and we should do that purpose, like selfish, self, we should do that to self all the time in scripture. When you open it, that should be some, something you take away. But God has a way to do that naturally through uh, natural disasters and things like that. And I'm thankful for that because I need that reminder. Mm-hmm. It is always a call of the gospel and repentance. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for how many of the things, especially in America, that we cling to as our as our idols and as our comforts and as our protection a lot of that's been taken away. Stock market, 401ks, even our schedules, yeah. even our freedoms, our rights, mm-hmm. right? That we as Americans, you know, it's it's a, it's an idol issue. It's a we worship those things and so much of that's just been taken away and and again, I think that's there's a there's a sense in which taken away meaning we we can't do those things. And uh, I think there's a sense in which that's a good thing because God is opening our eyes and showing at least that should be a lesson we learn. Are those things really what we think they are, mm-hmm. right? What kind of security have you found in those things? Because God hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. Christ hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Like none of those things have changed. Mm-hmm. That should be our security, our joy, as I preach today, our mission. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed other than, yes, we can't meet together as we're commanded to and as we should, but who we're supposed to be as individuals and even who how we're supposed to live as citizens of the kingdom amidst this alien world in which we live, none of that has changed. And yet so many people act as if it has. Mm -hmm. Why? Because our lives weren't built around our mission. Our lives were built around this world. And the Lord has taken that away. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's helpful. And, um, yeah. And then, of course, the goodness and, and grace of God just is always accentuated amidst of sadness, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're left only with God's grace and the cross and the gospel and the resurrection just gets heightened because that's all you have. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for how the Lord's grace in my life and in my family's life and even in the lives of those who are suffering, who I know personally through this, 
where it's like, that's all you get. That's all you got. And that's all you need. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. I'm, and I'm thankful that God's in control that I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Like I can look at this and be sad and, and, and rightfully be concerned for those who are lost and those who are suffering. And yet I'm, I have no fear. One of the greatest things that I've grown grateful for is Hebrews 2.14 is crystal clear. I think I've quoted that passage the first five or six weeks of this every Sunday because it's been on my heart that Hebrews 2.14 is crystal clear that the entire world is enslaved to the fear of death, and that is the power of Satan. That's what he holds over the unbeliever. And sadly, many believers are, are captured by that. And um, But we don't need to be. Jesus Christ redeemed us from that. Mm-hmm. He destroyed death, therefore disarming Satan. That's what Hebrews 2.14 says. Yet every single day I turn on the news and I watch any any news broadcast, any reporting of the corona thing, anybody talking about it, all you see is Hebrews 2.14 lived out dramatically right in front of you mm-hmm. where people are literally running scared, making crazy decisions, uh, in in many ways overreacting because of this, which I understand because they're scared to death, literally. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I believe we should preserve life and protect life and watch out for life. But I mean, I don't have, I don't, I'm not afraid of dying. Yeah. Right. I don't have that fear. I'm going to guard my life. I'm washing my hands. I'm, my family's not really going anywhere. I'm going out because that way nobody else is going out to protect them. So it's, I'm not talking about uh, stupidity here, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about, sound doctrine like mm-hmm. i have no fear of that none yeah. and i'm grateful for that and so as so so as i've watched the world i'm wondering how many other christians and not living like me living like we're supposed to live mm-hmm. with peace mm-hmm. like if you don't have peace and hope I, you don't have to like it i don't like it i want us to gather as believers on the lord's day as we should I'm not saying that I'm walking around saying this is wonderful. It's not. Mm-hmm. But I, I have no fear. I'm not scared. I'm not worried. Why? Because Christ reigns, mm-hmm. right? He's conquered death. This has helped even drive that further in my heart because I've never gone through anything like this. I've never been confronted with anything like this. I've never been confronted with, okay, you know, I could die. I could get this. And this, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to huddle up in a fetal position and never leave my home? not preach, not come to the office, not do the things I'm supposed to do, not shop. No, I, I got to live life. I've got to serve. I've got to try to help. You don't stop. Mm-hmm. You just do it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm completely loving that. And the reason why I love that is because it is very a good reminder, not because of what we can do, but <laughs> the fact that we can't do anything. No, but like we, what God has already done. What he's already done, what what he's in control of. Like yeah. he has all of this and he knows. He's already written this down and planned this out. Absolutely. It's not like he's he has looked down the, the yes. gallows of time and seen this and said, well, you know, I need to make a provision for them at that point. No, this is a part of his plan. This totally. is what he's planned out. And... One one thing that I, I would add to what you're saying is that I've seen one thing that I've seen is that people have been so critical of yeah. everything, how the president has handled it, how their local government has handled it. And it's like, oh, well, now you're instead of focusing on what uh, God is actually doing at this particular moment in time and how he is in control 
we are looking and criticizing how people have not been in control of what they've been doing. It's like your focus is completely wrong. Yeah. Your focus should be on, you know what? I'm grateful. God is sovereign. I'm grateful that I'm not in the position of those people to do that. I'll pray for them. Yeah. And then I'll trust God. Oh, I I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I think about the the decisions the presidents had to make and the vice presidents and those other, you know, officials, wherever they are, the governors, I think of our governor. And I think they've all done a, from from my perspective, mm-hmm. done a, a, a you know those specifically those who are in charge, Governor Hogan and Vice President and the President. I think they've th- done a good job mm-hmm. in the sense of I can't imagine, I can't imagine having scientists and doctors come to me and say if you don't do something, a million people are going to die. Mm-hmm. Like like what am I going to say? <laughs> what am I going to say as you know who's not a scientist and say well you're crazy? Mm-hmm. You know I mean. I've thought about that as a leader. It's mm-hmm. like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh man, those are decisions that I'm not. I'm praising God. I don't have to make that, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm. I don't want to sound critical, uh, even when I say, and I think in the quietness of their heart, they would admit it. They really don't know w- what to do in times. We've never been through anything like this since 1918. Yeah. And In our defense, then. nobody that yeah. I know that's living has gone through something like this yeah. and can remember it. Yeah. So, you know. But there's also the sad reality, and this is the sad reality that we see lived out. This is the other thing that it brings to the forefront, is it brings to the forefront the sin of man. Mm-hmm. So there is obviously now, the longer this goes on, you see what's called mixed motives of people. Mm-hmm. where they do things that seem like it's for others, but it's really padding their own pockets. Mm-hmm. It's for their own advancement. It's for their own betterment. It's for, you know, their own agendas. And that's sad. But again, things like this remind us that the issue is the heart of man. Mm-hmm. And even amidst catastrophes like this, there will be people who will come to the Lord. Sadly, it won't be as many as should be. That's for sure. It won't be that many. It generally is not. Um, but I hope it's a bunch, but it's just that's just the nature of it. But what you'll see is the grace of God and the benevolence and kindness of God to preserve and protect will pass over. And, and you'll see a bunch of sin when you look back and guys who manipulated the system, people yeah. who lied, people who connived, politicians, all of that. And mm-hmm. you see that already happening, which, again, is a reminder of the wickedness in which we live. And yet the grace of God that we don't have to be a part of that and and the Lord saved us out of that and I have no fear of trying to pad my pocket or do whatever not that I could but if I was in that position it's like why would I it, I don't have to worry about that yeah lord so again the the, the blessing of a of a of a uh, genuine believer <clears throat> is that cross of Christ takes care of everything yeah that's good so uh yeah yeah the coronavirus I think I said it I think I said it the other day in one of my sermons. There's, oh no, I said it in a pastor's heart on Friday. I sent out. There's a far worse thing than death, mm-hmm. and that is a truth I've said many times from the pulpit at Belcroft. Not sure how many people fully get it yet, but it is a doctrinal truth that needs to be seared into your heart. Most people, Hebrews two fourteen, are afraid of death, the judgment of God and all of that, that comes, even though they don't even fully understand that, but that's, I mean, everybody's trying to live longer and all of that because of that. And yet death is not the worst thing, not even close judgment that follows. That's the worst thing. Yeah. And, uh, when you deal with that, death is, 
nothing. Thank you for bringing me to my next question. Sorry. <laughs> I'm skipping one. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I will come back that to a, that. That was a slow slide. Uh, it was yeah. good. It was yeah. good. So um, you mentioned in your last sermon that there are uh, levels of judgment in hell. Oh, yeah. Um, can you kind of expound on that and yeah. give us more of an understanding of what you mean? Yeah, so um, multiple times in Scripture, the Bible speaks this way. So let me go to the positive side. So in heaven, there is clearly uh, rewards, mm-hmm. right? There's, uh, there's level of rewards. There's level of, of, of uh, authority, positions of, of ministry, and all these things that will happen in heaven based upon um, based upon how you uh, serve the Lord and what you do mm-hmm. in the time that you have now. You, you see that in the parable of talents, right? And the Lord gives to some three talents, some five talents, some ten talents, or two talents. And and it's like what you do with that then dictates the, uh, the other talents that you get. You know, you get five more, you get ten more. Mm-hmm. And so that reality of, of equivalence is, is a biblical truth, and you even see that. Um, in the judgment seat of Christ, where our uh, all of our ministry works will be judged by the Lord, and there's wood, hay, and stubble, which means nothingness, right? Mm-hmm. Just temporal stuff we did, and that'll get burned up under the holiness of Christ as the ultimate judge with the fires of, with the fiery eyes of blame, blazing holiness that we see in Revelation one, which is phenomenal, mm-hmm. and uh, and then. Uh, but there will be works that last, right? And they will be the diamonds, the precious rubies, the stones that will come through purified. And um, what a blessing those will be. And that's, uh, man, that's going to be a, a, a scary and joy-filled day when yeah. we stand before the Lord mm-hmm. and have to be judged. And so that's and that's why there's going to be positions of authority in heaven as we rule and reign with Christ in different ways and different levels and all of that. And uh, so, there is, uh, so there is in hell. Right. So there are just as there because, again, you have to understand the judgment of God being just and righteous. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So there is levels of of reward and blessing. So there are levels of judgment. Right now, condemnation is the same. Everyone is condemned who's outside of Christ. Everyone who is saved who's inside of Christ. So those are those are non-negotiable, undeniable, crystal clear. Yet, even within hell itself, there there is levels of judgment. There is, if you will, hotter flames of hell mm-hmm. for certain people than others. And again, that would make sense, right? Even just logically, take somebody like Hitler versus somebody um, somebody like a, a moral unbeliever, right? And uh, there is an there is an, a, a clearly a um, a reality of what one has done versus what the other has done in their hearts are both evil mm-hmm. and yet the acts of injustice. So the Bible speaks of this. Mm-hmm. So you take uh, in Matthew chapter 10 and in Mark chapter six speaks about the, uh, the people of, of Galilee who have rejected um, the gospel when the apostles go out and therefore rejected Christ, this comes up uh, even directly against Bethsaida, against uh, Capernaum. Mm-hmm. This comes up multiple times in the in the Gospels. But even certain towns get called out like that. That re- rejected Nazareth would be another one. They mm-hmm. reject Christ, right? And so, um, but you take like Mark uh, six and Matthew ten, where it uses this parallel that I think is quite shocking and. Uh, 
helpful because it says, because, so Jesus sends out his apostles and he says, when you're going out and, and you go to a city and if they reject you, which they will, mm-hmm. shake the dust off your feet, basically saying as a testimony to them, a testimony of their judgment, meaning a testimony that they're going to be judged by the Lord. That's why they call repentance. That's the whole point of repentance. Repent or you're going to be judged. And so they shake the dust off their feet, basically saying, listen, I'm, I've washed my hands clean of this. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul does it multiple times, Acts 13, Acts 18. He does it where he shakes the dust off his feet, shakes out his garments, and goes and leaves the synagogue. He said, I'm done. I've My hands are free from this. There's no blood on my hands. He says it to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. You know, So that language is is used. But in, in Jesus says that it will be better on the day of judgment. He's talking about the great white throne judgment, the ultimate judgment of unbelievers. It will be it will be better on the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for the towns that reject the gospel, for the people that reject the gospel. Sodom wow. and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is some one of the most notorious mm-hmm. sinful cities in all of history. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody, whether they've ever read the Bible or not. It's 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 literally the they named the sin after sodomy. Yes. After yes. That's the, how the popular city. That's and well known it is. Yeah. And it's and it is vile. It is it is ridiculous. It mm-hmm. is heinous. And yet in our minds we see that as like the grossest sin, which mm-hmm. is, it is gross. Immorality is gross on every level, but especially homosexuality and all of that that goes with it, which was so rampant in Sodom. And uh, you're right. That's hence where we get the term sodomite and all of that mm-hmm. and sodomy. And so so you're dealing with that, and you're like, oh, that's awful. And and again, as, as contemporary Christians, we always think of it like, homosexuality is like the ultimate sin and then you see a passage like that where it's like no it's going to be worse not for them but for you Mm. because you have openly remember they didn't have the gospel Mm -hmm. there was nobody going in and preaching repentance to sodom and gomorrah Mm -hmm. right and and fire came down from heaven and consumed them in eternal judgment these people though they've got the apostles the representative of christ they have christ himself even traveling through there, but then he sends his apostles, and they openly, flagrantly reject them. Lord, Lord's not playing games. He's mm-hmm. like, listen, you think you're getting off easy? Shake the dust off your feet. Let them see as a testimony. It's going to be worse for Sodom and Gomorrah. I now, mean, it's going to be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Now you had mentioned that they were they would do that. Uh, um, that like, was a custom. Custom. That was yeah, a cultural Jewish, custom yeah. where they would if they were in gentile land which they would travel through from time to time um they would as they were coming back into their hometown or their jewish region before they crossed the boundary or when they were um they would shake the gentile soil off their feet as a representation symbolic representation of getting rid of the filth because when they would go through a gentile land they would be contaminated Mm -hmm. by being around gentiles and being in the land that's uncleaned, uncircumcised, and all of these things. And so it was just a symbolic way of showing we're leaving the filth behind. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, so it's an it's 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 kind of a, a, a way to um not condemn but to judge, right? The Gentile world. That's that in their culture that was a way they did that and 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 definitely was kind of harsh and prideful in the way that they would see that, and yet truthful in the sense of a genuine a true follower of Yahweh was was uh, pure and to be separated from that which was unclean 
And so there was a sense in which done from humility, it makes sense, but they would do it pridefully. Mm-hmm. They would do it. It was more national than mm-hmm. it was theological. Theological, right. it makes sense. We're mm-hmm. to be separated from sin. We do that, mm-hmm. right? I don't go places. I don't look at things. I don't de- see things because I don't want it to contaminate me, mm-hmm. right? And we're called to de- be separated from sin. So in that sense, it's good. But they would do it in the prideful national sense, just because I'm a Jew and you're not. You're unclean and I'm clean right. just by way of my nationality. And that was... And this wasn't like a something from the Old Testament. No, no, it was it was a cultural it was a cultural, cultural thing. thing. But so, but but Jesus took it and and said use, use it, it mm-hmm. but this is what it means as a testimony against them, showing that they are unclean. They've rejected you and now God has rejected them and yeah. they're gonna be judged. Because what the first thing that came to my mind when you made that like yeah. you, you you know, kind of explain what that was I was thinking, well, are they coming from uh, Gentile lands, or they're going to Jewish cities? So and then the, from the from apostles, that, yeah, the apostles were just—it was just Jews, so they weren't in Gentile. That comes up in that'll come up in uh, later on in Mark, where they actually go to Gentiles. But now, what Jesus, as he says in Matthew ten, when he sends them out, they're just sent to the Jews. So that's a much louder statement. Oh, it's all about the Jews. Yeah. That's the point. They're, they're much making a much louder statement that's by why. dusting their feet off coming out of a Jewish land yes. versus a yes. Gentile. Like, what is he doing? That's oh, why it would have that. grabbed their attention because wow. they're like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Why are you doing that? You're not in a Gentile land. Mm-hmm. And it's a statement. It's mm-hmm. a statement to them. It's like, it's not nothing to do with Gentile land. You're unclean. You're condemned. Wow. And again, it, it wasn't that they were condemning them. It was to get their attention because mm-hmm. verse 12 of Mark 6 proves that in verse 11 when this that is said in Mark 12 then it says and then they went and preached repentance that's the whole point you preach repentance is mm-hmm. when you think somebody's going to hell that's why you preach repentance wow so it was a visual to further prove what they were saying mm-hmm. and so it's like if you're going to deny what I'm saying to you I'm going to show it to you in a visual you'll get you better repent or you're cuz you're going to hell and again that word that Christ would say that you're that you're worse than Sodom and Gomorrah Imagine a Jew hearing that. And yeah, because they knew that of course, from tradition. And, and yeah. that was the worst. Mm-hmm. And that was their problem. They always saw the sin of everybody else and never themselves. Well, what I just said is the whole problem with an American Christianity. We could see it on everybody else. Mm-hmm. But then in Matthew 7, with the same principle then is true, when Jesus says, um, essentially, do not cast your pearls before swine, which he's saying, if somebody openly rejects you, then just walk away, right? Stop messing with them, preach the gospel, and leave them, right? Don't don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. And in Matthew 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, when he says that, that would have been shocking and revolting. Because again, pearls, which are something pure and beautiful and valuable, mm-hmm. and then you're casting them before that which is filthy and unclean. Right. And, I mean, for a Jew, you couldn't even be around a pig, mm-hmm. let alone would you throw something that is valuable to a pig. Right. Because that would make the, val- the the value of that thing would be done, mm-hmm. right? It would be a contaminated. You'd... So that, again, Jesus would often use those shocking statements to grab their attention. And in that, it, it's a correlating principle that that's what he's teaching his disciples when they go out. And the people reject you, he's like, you know, this, this is how you respond expect it they rejected me but then move on because there are others who won't reject you so just keep preaching 
And and there's a there's a universal truth to that. Mm-hmm. How many times have we wasted? And and when I say wasted, that's from a human perspective. We never know what God is doing. Mm-hmm. People reject the gospel all the time and eventually get saved because of what a person did. And I understand that, and I'm not minimizing that. Yet at the same time, you know, man, there are so many times we we pour into people that honestly we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And we should be looking for people who are ready to be poured into. Mm-hmm. And that's a lesson that I've had to learn and am learning all the time. And, you know, that's exactly what Paul meant in 2 Timothy 2, two, where it's like, find faithful men, pour into them. Mm-hmm. I love that. He doesn't tell Timothy, don't run around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to disciple everybody. Trying, No, you find faithful men and you pour into them. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so, so there's a correlating truth to that that those apostles needed to learn. Don't, you know, don't spend all day in every city. And Jesus didn't do that. Remember in early on in Mark, when he's, uh, uh, right after when he started his first preaching tour, and he's there with his apostles, and he healed everybody kind of mostly all night, and he got up early to pray, and the apostles come and came and find him, and they're like, where, everybody's, there's a line waiting out the door, they want to be healed more. <laughs> and Jesus is like, we're going to the next town. Yeah. Because more people need to hear. It's mm-hmm. just like, most people would look at that and go, What's he doing? He's wasting. He's wasting a great opportunity. No, he he knew he wasn't going to waste his time. Those people only wanted to be healed. Right. He was there to preach the word, and it's like, yeah, there's so much for us to learn about that. Yeah, I was going to say what you what you have mentioned in a lot of those sermons is like they were only there yeah. for the works. They weren't there for the actual word that Jesus yep. was preaching. One thing that I do like about this too is that the act of them the act of Christ sending them to these Jews yes. was literally like the, uh, the, the way that it's literally seen in the Bible. Oh yeah. Like it comes to the Jew first Always. and then to the that's Greek. Why, that's why Paul did that. Yeah. So just like I said, the pairing them up in twos, right? Mm-hmm. You see that throughout scripture. Yeah. So what Jesus is doing is setting a pattern and, a, and a, again, the mission, the mm-hmm. mission is set by the master. That's what I said, mm-hmm. right? He, he's lining it up and, and, and the, the universal nature of the mission is, yeah, you go to the Jew first, mm-hmm. and once they reject, then you go to the Gentile. Right. And that's what we're going to see. Mm-hmm. The Jews are going to over overly reject the apostles and Christ, and then he's going to eventually turn them to, which it, that's about ready to happen, and you're going to see them go to the Gentiles. And so, and, and as you were talking, this the scripture popped in my head where uh, they were looking at the ascension in Acts 1, yeah. and uh, the angel came to them. It was the angel, right? Yeah. He said to them, it's like, you receive power, the Holy Spirit comes power. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Yep. And then in Judea. That's it. And then he goes Samaria. to Samaria, and, and then, then the rest of the that's world. It. That's it. I was like, oh. There's a pattern that I'm seeing that I like. I like to see patterns, yep. and those patterns, that was definitely a pattern that's all throughout Scripture come true. There was another one that came out in the text today. It was so clear and so helpful, and I talked about it a little bit, but I really wanted to focus on it more, but I, I didn't. And uh, it was it was that Christ called the apostles, mm-hmm. Christ appointed the apostles, hmm. Christ instructed the apostles, then Christ sends out the apostles. Hmm. So there's a pattern in that in discipleship, which that's how it always works. Mm-hmm. Meaning there was a salvific call. Mm-hmm. So he, he calls them to follow him in that salvific sense and to and then in that discipleship sense, and they did. That's mm-hmm. in Mark 1, and they left their nets and they followed him. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't their call to apostleship. That wasn't their call to full-time ministry that was just their call to hey yeah i'm a true believer i'm gonna follow you i'm gonna leave all behind and they did and then they were showing themselves faithful 
And then in chapter 3, he takes the, he takes the smaller group of disciples and he pulls out, what, 12 who mm-hmm. have proven themselves faithful, who he has handpicked now to be his apostles. And then what does he do after that? Then he spends specific time from here on out doing nothing but teaching them. Mm-hmm. The greater group, which isn't great, but in, meaning the larger group of people are still there, Mary Magdalene and whoever are still following with Christ and are part of that group. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's focusing intently on those 12 guys. Right. That's all that Christ discipled. That amazes me. Yeah. That's all he really discipled was 12 men. Now, he taught the larger groups. He taught the 5,000, the 4,000. He taught the groups. But he only really spent time with 12 people. Hmm. Right? Now, he, there were, like I said, the other smaller group of insiders, as Mark calls them, would, would be there. But mm-hmm. it was only. And then even with that, he had, the, he had Peter, James, and John. That would get away with him. And he had a smaller group. So there's so much to learn from that. But when it comes to discipleship, right, so oftentimes we throw ourselves into things rather than following a good pattern, right? Salvation, then faithfulness to what? To then, all right, you want to you wanna, you wanna be a part of something more? You want to grow? You want to be discipled? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you into that. Now we're going to work on instruction, mm-hmm. and then we'll go through instructing. And then... Only then do you appoint somebody to a position of leadership. How many times in churches, guys walk in the door, people people come in, and it's like, oh, that guy's got a good job, that guy's got a big house, that guy's got a nice car, that guy's got a, a title or position, and we immediately put them in a position of mm-hmm. authority. That's not how, I mean, the Bible is clear, Yeah. right? And so you even see that in the discipleship model, that there needs to be time, testing, and uh, before people move across stages. I like that. I think that's helpful yeah. and so clear, so clear. It's my old church. They used to, uh, people used to join. Um, and the reason why they would join and be okay, uh, be approved for membership is because of their Christian experience. Yeah. I was like, okay. Now that I look back, I'm like your Christian experience. So you were a minister in another church and now you come to this church why'd you leave that church? Yeah. What's, what's going on? Like, why is it that, that, you know, what, what made you move? So, uh, I was thinking, uh, too, cause last time we spoke, it was on the podcast. It was about, uh, auto salutis. Yep. And I spelled it wrong. I, I realized it after I went, I, I said, O R D U S is O R D O. Yeah. Uh, ordo salutis. And yeah. that actually gives the outline of how that whole thing works. Uh, that pattern that, yep. that we were talking about that, that order. Yep. And, um, I see it's, it's in scripture so much and I'm like, Oh man, this is so good. This is, this is it for me. It just, makes that scripture just come alive it's it's like someone bringing a light to your apartment romans 8 yeah yeah right right yep. bringing that bringing that and and having me to, to realize oh that's what you mean that order god god is a god of order first corinthians uh 14 and 15 yeah. and we should we should we should mimic him and do everything decently and in order mm-hmm. first corinthians 14 and so of course everything he does is order genesis creation right there's seven days why he's establishing order mm-hmm. right he creates he could have created it all like one that. day he yep. could have created it all like that but what was he doing he was establishing order mm-hmm. the order by which we would order our lives seven days a week like where's all that come from creation right 24 hours a day where does that come from creation like god mm-hmm. established order that we would live and it's part of reflecting him and being image bearers and all of that and so yeah so it would it would totally be outside of the character and purview of God to establish salvation in a disorderly 
fashion. Mm-hmm. I've said this for a long time, that the issue with sin can be summarized in one thing, disorder. That's what sin is. It is disorder. It brings disorder. Salvation is all about order. It mm-hmm. brings your life back to order, mm-hmm. right? And so so yeah, order is huge. That's good. Well, the the next question is actually, <laughs> I think, one of the, probably the most controversial thing that I heard you say today, which you don't say things controversial. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, you were... A couple of things. I'm you, trying to figure out what I said that was oh, controversial. Yeah, today. you you started off out the gate because um, you 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 were making the wow uh, the I'm, statement. I don't I don't I don't hear myself preach evidently because I'm like, what did I say that was controversial today? Oh man, I got notes and notes uh, today. <laughs> so the the first one of the things that was was I mean yeah controversial in the way that oh you it's know, fine for me I'm like yeah I I, I definitely believe that. If this was me ten years ago, I'd, I'd be like, "Oh, I don't know this guy. <laughs> this is this that's a little wonky right there." But but now that I have uh, now that I've come to a, a, a the understanding, which I was gonna say a different, it could yeah. be a different understanding of scripture. But uh, scripture alone uh, basically is that you know it's and it's sufficient. Now that I'm seeing it, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. And and it's not like you're just saying it off the cuff. You're, you know, biblically digging into the word and showing us exactly what the word says and not your opinion. So I appreciate that. Um, You went through the the qualifications of an apostle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was one thing. And then um, one statement that you said is false teachers always abuse the people. Yeah. And. You know, I haven't really heard you talk a lot about I've been here for almost two years. And I've never really heard you talk about uh, offering or money or yeah. even now um, when we're in the coronavirus, uh, the the trenches right now where hopefully this is the peak you know, time yeah. Yeah. and then we're starting to decline. I have never heard you from the pulpit or any any in any email. Yeah. Um, and there's no provision here for us to like give online, you know, like through PayPal or through anything like that. I've yeah. never heard you say that. And the question is really about around paying pastors. And, yeah. you know, um, I've been in budget meetings here when you have cringed when we talk about your salary. And I've looked and I'm like, dude, like we, we want to pay you like we want to we want to sure. do that for you. Um, so I just want to get your thoughts around that. And the reason why I brought up the false teacher and apostle first, there's an order. Yeah. <laughs> there's an order to that. Because yeah. I, I think of I see, you know, um, the first thing that came to mind was uh, a certain pastor. Uh, I, I won't mention uh, that his last name is Copeland. I remember seeing this uh, this interview with him in the hangar of uh, uh, in the hangar, and he was talking about the the interviewer asked him very straight and straight up questions um, about him mentioning that he has to travel around the world to preach the gospel, and he doesn't want to be in uh, a commercial plane because of the demons uh, that are there in the uh, plane. That's why he needs to have his own. And Jesse Duplantis, who believe God for he needs this new plane and Creflo Dollar, which I could not be at a. I'm glad your last name is White because I couldn't go to a church with the guy last name Dollar like that just would mess with me. Can't be legitimate. Huh? That can't be a legitimate last name. Uh, it can't yeah, be. I it hope, has to be a stage name. I hope not. There was a pastor in this area named Doctor Shine. That yep. was his name. He oh was, yeah. He was not a doctor, and yeah. that was not his real last name. Yeah. But you know, it's 
I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that because um, there is a lot of abuse. There is a lot of abuse. Yes. There is a lot of people that are I, asking you to sow seeds of $91 because of Psalm 91. Yeah. I, you know. I, I can't I can't deal with it very much. I, I mean, it really gets under my skin because I've seen it. Mm-hmm. We've had a number of our people who have been abused in this area. Just, uh, again, I've always been perplexed why the Lord takes a country boy and puts him in the middle of the city and it's, it's been always in, that's always an interesting thought for me and <laughs> it's what's been sad is is watching the the um charismatic movement and the fallout of it in this area is just tremendous and the false teachers false teachers as that that comment is is clear and and accurate mm-hmm. false teachers always abuse people wittingly or unwittingly purposely or even if they're not even trying to that's the nature of false teaching mm-hmm. false teaching is destructive it's divisive it's damning and so uh, but most of them do it you know without uh as as a purpose right they know what they're doing they're stealing from people they're lying and uh paul talked about it all the time that's why i quoted the passages i did out of First uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, and Second Peter two, and Jesus him, Jesus himself, he spoke most scathingly about false teachers, right? Whitewashed tombs and wolves in sheep's clothing, and so um, it's sad because that's what Jesus is dealing with when he sends out his apostles. See, he's it's again, it's amazing how nothing has changed, and yet so many people th- don't realize it. False teaching and false teachers was always the biggest issue. It was the biggest issue for Jesus, right? The Pharisees, Sadducees, all of that. False teachers, false systems, false religion, false gospels. Paul comes on the scene. Same thing, right? Acts 15, the first false gospel that we deal with in church history, right? That man needs to be circumcised and the the Judaism, the system of Judaism needs to be melted with Christianity to be the true gospel. I mean, from there forward, it's just, it just never stops. And then throughout the epistles, what's Paul dealing with? False teachers inundating the church, deceiving the church. And then all throughout church history, same thing. It has never stopped because the ultimate false teacher is Satan. That's why Paul calls false teachers what? They're ministers of Satan. Mm. And what do they teach, Paul says? Doctrines of demons, mm-hmm. right? Because the ultimate false teacher is Satan. Because all false teaching is what? Lies. And lies come out of who? The father of lies is the devil. And so you see it all has its it all has its impetus or its source in Satan. He's been lying from the beginning. He's been murdering from the beginning. And, and can I just yeah. say, not, not just like write out lies, like no no false teacher would say God is not God. Yeah, they would say you are a God as oh, yeah. well as yeah, God being a God. Yeah, it's or all twisted. Half truth. Yeah, because that's what Satan does. Mm-hmm. Satan doesn't. Satan didn't go to Adam and Eve and say, "Yeah, eat the fruit. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to pull <laughs> everything apart, and you're going to be the you're going to be the saddest, most suffering you've ever experienced. Your your children are going to kill each other. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Right? He twists the truth. He 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 brings. 99% truth and adds 1% lie, mm-hmm. right? And uh, remember, uh, you know, a half-truth is always a full lie, mm-hmm. and that's the way it works, right? right. And uh, so, so, but sadly, Jesus spoke often about, he called them hirelings, right? So they're shepherds, 
and there's hirelings in the Greek. That's what the term he used. A hireling wasn't a shepherd. He was a hired hand. So he was brought in to watch the flock, and, and these are the false teachers. And he says, but the problem with the hireling is the minute problem comes, they run because mm-hmm. they're out for themselves. They're out for the money. They're not out for protecting the sheep. But a shepherd, he never leaves the sheep. He dies for the sheep. He lays his life down. The, he will protect the sheep at the cost of his own life. That's the difference between a true shepherd and a hireling. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the true shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. That's why he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not like these hirelings, the Pharisees. They're mm-hmm. hirelings. They're just, they're just here to take your money. They're here to ruin your life. They're here to pad their pockets, make themselves look good, and abuse you in the process. Jesus says, I'm not like that. That's why he says, all you who are heavy laden and are tired, come take my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you. And uh, he calls them. And so sad that, uh, sadly, in this world and throughout Scripture, that's what we deal with. And, uh, and so um, Jesus is sending out his apostles so that they will be different than them. Mm-hmm. That's why he says, don't take anything with you. You're not going to need it. Don't be, don't be all flashing. Don't be a flash in the pan like these other guys, right? Don't go wearing all the fancy you know, outfits like the Pharisees did mm-hmm. and with their bells on and all this stuff, making nonsense and making sure everybody sees them. You just go humble right, and normal and don't worry about where you're going to stay and find a good place that's a godly place and just stay there. Don't try to abuse the system as and I quoted where Paul says, you know, uh, false teachers worm their way, literally it they worm their way into homes of weak, weak-minded women who are burdened by sins, and then they take their money and abuse them. I mean, that's what we see. The charismatic movement, right? What do they mm-hmm. do? They 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 prey on poor people. Mm-hmm. They prey on people who are desperate, right? Desperate for help. And uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do the same thing. I mean, that's why. Why are they always in poor neighborhoods? Why are they go- always going after low-income neighborhoods? Right. Because that's what they're going after. People who are desperate, people who are who are desperate for for help. And so they bring in the false teaching, false hope, which ultimately damns. I just realized that I'm sitting here thinking like every single Jehovah Witness church or whatever they call it is not in like a well to do Mm -hmm. spot. It's in. Yeah. Yeah. All 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 false teaching generally preys on the on the on the lowly, on the weak. And that's, again, that's what Jesus saw, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I read Matthew 9. He saw what? They were sheep without a shepherd. They were people who were being abused, Mm -hmm. and it broke him. He had compassion. He loved them. And he's like, that is nonsense. And so it is today, and it's so sad and happens all the time. And and so, uh, yeah, and so as ministers of the gospel, we must guard ourselves from that, even how how we talk, how we live, so we're not living like the world and not living you know, living large and all of that. And that's what Jesus was teaching them. You travel light, you live normally, you're not trying to pad yourself and move your way up the chain. I mean, I, sadly, I've seen evangelical pastors do this, get a church and, well, that's, I want a bigger church or I want a better, you know, budget. And so I try to, I try to, you know, move my way up the ladder. I'll start here, I'll go there, and eventually I'll hit that spot I want. It's, what are you doing? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's not what it's about. And uh, yet, sadly, that happens mm-hmm. happens a lot. That's why Timothy was commanded to watch his life and doctrine well uh, and and to watch his heart for the love of money. And that's a reality we all deal with, every one of us in different ways. That's why we have to deal with discontentment and we have to kill it and uh, covetousness and all those things that the Bible speaks so clearly about. 
and kill that sin and uh, so that we are pure ministers of the gospel seeking the betterment of the other person, not ourselves. I've seen so many times the kind of like the next up uh, thing with pastors. You know, um, you have a pastor that has been, you know, in the spotlight for a really long time and someone who is not as popular, that pastor invites them to speak at their conference or, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. And then that is the point where that person, that, that pastor male or female will then be, you know, put out on this major stage. And now they're being recognized as like, Oh, well that's the next person. And they're being endorsed by this other person. And, uh, this it's, it's, it's one particular, like it's one particular thing that I've seen so much. And it's like, man, like, and then they get up to that national stage and they don't say anything. Oh, it's, it's, it's just a bunch of garbage that they're talking. There are no female pastors. Well, yeah, I I, I definitely just, agree with that. I know. They, they I'm just call saying, themselves. Yeah, they, they call the themselves. Title. Yeah, they, they would title themselves just as that. Yeah. Just clarify. Oh, oh no, we're, yeah. we're on the same page. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but I know. I, I, we definitely need to clarify that just yeah. to make sure that yeah, you know, people understand yeah. our perspective on that. So, yeah. yeah just I, like I, there's no marriage in homosexuals. Right. Yeah. The state does, but biblically God doesn't see that as marriage. So yeah. it says the state will see a woman pastor, but God doesn't see that. So but uh yeah, no, but the abuse of people, the abuse of people by false teachers is a real sad reality that um yeah, we must constantly guard one another from and must protect one another, the books we read, all of that, the stuff we watch. I mean it happens in subtle, subtle ways. And uh, our world is, that's First Peter 5 is one of the most explicit passages on shepherding from a eldering pastoral perspective. And one of the roles is to guard the flock. And First uh, uh, Thessalonians 5 says that's what we do. We watch over the souls of mm-hmm. those that Christ has given to us as, as stewards. And uh, Acts 20, Paul tells the Ephesian elders, same thing. Wolves are coming in, guard them, protect them die for them and that's the the ministry is always about the gospel going to the lost and the shepherding of the sheep it's always about others it's never about yourself Mm -hmm. and that is a lesson that i know i haven't fully learned yet but the lord keeps teaching me that that as i keep growing as an elder as a as a pastor i keep realizing it's not about me it's about the sheep it's about you right it's and in your ministry it's about them it's always about the other person. It's never about me. And yet, even for pastors, it can often easily become about that. And for false teachers, that's what it is. For them, their ministry is all about them, what they get, how they look, who likes them, mm-hmm. who follows them. Mm-hmm. But for Jesus and all who shepherd in his name, it's always about the sheep. Mm-hmm. Always. Everything Jesus did about the sheep, right? His mm-hmm. sheep shepherding his sheep, caring for his sheep, and then he brings in shepherds, under shepherds, and it's supposed to be what? You care for my sheep. It's about them, and then ultimately to the glory of Christ. So that is a lesson that these apostles are learning as he sends them out, and that's a lesson that we all need to be reminded of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely a lesson that we all need to be reminded of. I uh the other so that was a little controversial. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, you didn't mention about the the whole 
paying pastors like what that oh, should yeah, look I like. Oh yeah, I forgot or, about that. Yeah, yeah, so the Bible's clear. I don't talk about it. Well, so I don't talk about money. I don't talk about money unless it comes up, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when it comes up, I gladly talk about it, and uh, I mean, I can preach on it if if need be, and I'll talk about it. Like when we when the coronavirus thing came down, we put out a email and just said, if, you know, if people want to give their their offerings, are still, you know, those are things that we are required to give, and just mail it in. And that was all we said. Like you can mail it to the church office, and it'll 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 get to Dave, our treasurer, and we'll make sure that we don't have. We don't have a um, electronic system, but our new website will. I mean, that's already been in the works, and that was part of it, where you could pay, you know, online if you want to. And certain people do; they like to do their billing that way. That's fine. But uh, but as far as um, uh, talking about it, worrying about, it, I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. It's not. I mean, it, when it comes up in scripture, I'm gonna preach it. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't, I'm not gonna worry about it, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not my job. Right? It's the Lord. It's his money. Mm-hmm. He's going to give it, and the people will give. And I've always said, I've always said, now there are times people need to be taught, right? That's different. People need to be instructed on how to give and why we give. Second Corinthians 8 and 9 is probably the most important passage in the New Testament on giving, and we give out of the overflow of the grace of God that's been given to us. That's why I don't believe in tithing. I believe it's a good place to start if you want to start with 10%. But the Old Testament tithing was a was a reality. It's not in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about grace giving. You give out of the joy of your heart based upon the grace of God that's been given to you. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't put a cap on that. Yeah. There is no percentage to that. Right. Because you can't outgive God. Mm-hmm. Right. His grace keeps coming and you just keep giving. And so that's grace giving. That's biblical. That's New Testament. And of course you need to teach on that. You need to explain that and all of those things. And I have and I will. But it's not something that I need to repeat. It's not something I need to like drive mm-hmm. because I want joyful givers. I want people to give out of their heart. And so I, I believe what the scripture teaches, preach the gospel, help people grow in holiness, and you won't be able to stop them from giving mm-hmm. because it's a fruit of the spirit as they grow. So I'd right. rather see you grow in holiness and the giving will come, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what's happened here. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's not a, you know, I mean, we trust the Lord. And he'll provide, and uh, yeah. And it's clearly it's not them sowing a seed. It's not them no waiting for something to happen. No, it's it's a response to what God has already done. Mm-hmm. It, giving is just another form of worship, mm-hmm. right? So I don't worship God in my serving or in my praying, in in my uh, preaching or in my giving to get anything. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a sacrificial offering that I break open before the Lord that I pray is an is an is a pleasing aroma to Him like the uh, like the like the offerings of the fat of the ram given to God on the on the altar were you know uh, as it says multiple times were a pleasing smell in the nostrils of God right mm-hmm. like a like a awesome t-bone steak on the grill man i'm i'm salivating now right and i'll think about that when i'm cooking like burgers or something outside Mm -hmm. and you smell that and i just think this is this is what god was talking about about the you know the fat of the rams because that's where often the juices and everything comes from would bring that aroma Mm -hmm. right but but he's speaking about the the beauty of the holiness and the brokenness that a sacrifice speaks of mm-hmm. that is a sacrifice to the lord well all of our offerings all of our giving 
is supposed to be that. That's what Romans 12 says. Our very lives are to be the aroma mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of a life broken before the Lord on the altar perpetually. And financial giving is no different, mm-hmm. right? So I don't give to get. I give because of what I've already gotten, mm-hmm. which Ephesians 1 is all the spiritual blessings in Christ forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so it's just an act of worship, right? It's one we're commanded to do. It's the one we get the joy of partnering with other ministries, and that's a blessing. It's one we should do and must do and have joy in doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so it's it's yeah, some people overthink it. And... Well, I just I just uh, since we mentioned false teachers, I, I I'd never realized it until now. That is definitely a a, a, a twisting of totally that because what they will instruct you to do is to give so that you can get yeah versus giving totally you know from from the heart of you you know you have been given so you're giving back i just i've just literally realized that just now like man like that is a, a complete lie well and and there is there is with again they twist everything that's the problem of the false teacher they mm-hmm. just twist everything to their own devices right mm-hmm. they're they they're uh, double tongued the mm-hmm. bible says they speak out of both sides of their mouth and so there is there is getting when you give to the lord you always get you get the joy of obedience mm-hmm. you get the peace that you get to partner with the lord that you get to worship him like every time we worship even musically and i'm singing i'm getting all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. right the joy of the lord and i'm growing and i'm being humbled and I'm being exalted all at the same time. And that's a blessing. And that comes whether it's through financial giving or even preaching or whatever there's there's So there is getting, but that's not the motive. It's always the motive, mm-hmm. right? That's the heart, the heart. What's your motive? What, why are you doing this? Are you doing this to manipulate God, to move God, to control God? Or are you doing this to say thanks to God, to, to show your heart of gratitude to yeah. God? And that's, yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really important. Well, uh, we're gonna end here, and um, we're gonna come back next time uh, with some more. Uh, I appreciate you all's uh, feedback as well. Um, I would like for you all to uh, email us at uh, the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail dot com, um, and for the feedback as well, I want to say please don't text my wife. I've had some people text my wife some, some feedback from the podcast. So uh, just just email me. I, I, I would much rather have you email me versus my wife. But I appreciate the feedback, though. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love obey and enjoy him perfectly instead of this man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion since god is good and just he must punish sin that deserves eternal conscious punishment under god's wrath and hell but god being merciful loving and gracious had a plan to punish sin and so be a just judge and yet forgive sinners and so display mercy by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God. 
standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.